Hello and welcome to Run the Table. I'm your host, Bryce Tinson. Over, how are we doing, man? We're doing good. Uh, positive sports weekend. Good to see the Browns win, of course. Uh, yeah, it was it was fun. We had a fantastic week four of college football. It absolutely lived up to the hype. And we even had a pretty good, uh, a pretty solid Sunday, I would say. Um, okay, so we're just going to get right into it. College football first, as always. Week four. What, what were your five biggest takeaways? Give me your first one. Uh, first one, um, Ohio State is limited. So is every great team. So uh, kind of a good news, bad news situation for Ohio State. Good news is they picked up a huge win yep. on the road great against for the Notre resume. Dame. Great for the resume that'll probably last throughout the season against you know uh, a team that um, will likely go ten and two, eleven and one. Mm-hmm. Um, the point being with that, a I think they can afford to lose one of the two games, yes. whether it be to Michigan or Penn State 100%. like they did last year, and get into the college football playoff. We'll see how it shakes out. I think we always envision teams to go twelve and zero, and they <laughs> just slip up. Um, so remember 16, 17, right. 18, 19. Right. Yeah, these are, these are 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25-year-old kids. Some, so, some even 26. There's a 30-year-old yeah, punter out there. Yes, there are some very old kids, basically. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, teams can slip up. I think they'll probably get in if they even go 11-1 and one with that sort of one on their, yeah. on their resume. Obviously, um, you know, that, that game against Notre Dame, I thought it showed a couple of slight weaknesses but overall, you know, a lot of um, a lot of positives as well. You know, I mean, uh, that last drive they showed character. They showed um, a little bit of mental toughness. You know, um, yes. I think a couple of years ago's Ohio State teams kind of struggled in those moments, but but not this year. You know, when the when the tough uh, uh, when it, when it got tough, the tough got going for Ohio State a little bit, and, and Ryan Day deserves some credit for that. When the going gets tough, the, the tough, tough get, get going. going. But folks, they did struggle to stop the run. Um, their quarterback is still not a playmaker. Um, you know, I, I still don't think they ran the ball consistently enough, or at least as, as much as they would have liked. Um, so there were slight flaws with Ohio State's performance. The good news is, though, Georgia hasn't looked perfect. Michigan hasn't looked perfect. USC didn't look perfect against Arizona State last week. There are a couple of teams that have looked really good, but that's because they haven't been tested, i.e. Washington. Even Oregon, you know, faltered a little bit on the road against Texas Tech and probably should have lost that game. So there is no perfect team in college football right now, meaning Ohio State absolutely has the means to win a national championship year this year. Um, We'll see how they match up if they ever get to Georgia. If, or when they get to Michigan, when they get to Penn State. But uh, as of right now, I think they have as good a chance to win the national championship as anyone, unless we see Washington just absolutely smoke, you know, top 10 teams, as, you know, maybe you'll get into this, but as 2019 LSU did back in the day. So, um, Yeah, I, and I'm going to stick with you in this game. I, I Listen, I... I think that Notre Dame lost this game more than Ohio State won. And, of course, it's me, the Michigan fan, taking a negative slant at Ohio State. But when I've watched that game, and basically every single statistical algorithmic uh, data point could back this up, and, and we've seen it, um, You know, Notre Dame was the better team on the field on Saturday. They didn't win the game. And a lot of that is because Ohio State was great when it mattered. and And this isn't, you know... This isn't trying to be a knock on Ohio State because the win go, it goes in the win column, right? It, you can't take it away. But when a defense who had been playing really well gives up 10 third-down conversions out of 17, 
you're not winning that football game. And credit to Notre or credit to Ohio State for being able to convert on ten of those seventeen. But I mean, if we're being honest, that shouldn't happen. Um, you know, Notre Dame. Every single time that they got a got got a first down on third down, that is that is one less you know set of downs. So a minute, you know, however that that their offense isn't on the field, and they still led the possession battle by nine minutes. They thirty four to twenty five, thirty four and a half to twenty five and a half. So they still led by nine minutes, and and you sit here and you think, well, you know. What Notre Dame did was they played kind of conservatively, it seemed like, in the first half, and they were just kind of trying to stay in it. And then in the second half, they really started to pound the rock, which you mentioned with Ohio State's defense. They gave up, I think the number was four and a half yards per carry. Um, let me double check that. Uh, to a Notre Dame offense that, yeah, they run the ball really well, um, but it's something that you know has, has come back to bite you in that Michigan game. It was four and a half. Um, Coincidentally, Notre Dame or Ohio State had 4.7. A lot of that was on the Travion Henderson run. They still could not run the football consistently well. I think that was a big issue for them. Um, and then, obviously, you can talk about the two plays in a row where Notre Dame only had 10 players. Um, the fact that they ran a screen play on a second down when if you run a play there, if you just run the ball. like I understand a screen play there because it's usually a high percentage completion play. Two things there. Don't run it to JT Tumalo offside. We've seen him be very good at deciphering screens. And number two, don't run it to the boundary. Like that, that just sets up so many, so many different factors that could stop the clock. So you run the ball first, right? And and if you want to get a little cute with it, which they did, um, do it the other direction that that is going to be more likely to uh, succeed. Um, I just thought it like. If you're Ryan Day in Ohio State and you run a jet sweep on fourth and one down in the red zone, like you shouldn't win that game because because you know they didn't get the first down right. Notre Dame gets the ball back. They should have been able to ice it with how well they've been running the football. They weren't able to. So credit to Ohio State for stepping up on those money plays uh, on the big plays. But man, Notre Dame should be kicking themselves um, for not being able to to win this one and close it out. And it's kind of been the theme for Marcus Freeman in some of these big games. Uh, Quinn Ewers is really good, plus Ohio State could use him. Um, <laughs> so I watched the uh, Texas Baylor game, a lot of that, three quarters of it probably, uh, and Quinn Ewers was, I mean, fantastic. I don't know what's changed between last season and this year, but he has looked so much more comfortable. Uh, he was, you know, off of, off of injury, especially at Texas, he, uh, he really struggled for those, you know, last four or five games, especially with the deep ball. Something about it, he wasn't perfect, wasn't pre- precise in those moments, and uh, and missed a lot of throws in some big games. Oklahoma State sticks out. Texas Tech sticks out a little bit. Oh, no, he wasn't there for the Texas Tech game. I'm thinking of some of those. But the Oklahoma State was the big one. Mm-hmm. Out on the road, they should have won that game by probably 10 points. He just couldn't make the throws consistently enough. Yeah. Um, but he's doing it this year, and it really doesn't matter who the who the opponent is. He's just hitting those throws, hitting open guys, even when it's you know a deep throw, intermediate throw, short throw, whatever whatever the situation is. He's hitting those throws. You don't have to have a sensational playmaker at quarterback, but I felt like a couple of moments in the Ohio State game, it would have been nice to have a guy who was comfortable in the system, who's been there for years, has had, you know, a lot of experience like Quinn Ewers, who also was making plays a lot with his legs for Texas and had a 25-yard-plus touchdown run. So yeah. I think, first off, I think he's my QB2 in, in come draft time, obviously nine weeks to go. But outside of uh, Caleb Williams, I think Quinn Ewers is my quarterback too. As, I mean, I, I, listen. 
Hey, I, hey, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue it right now. We still got a lot of college football okay. left to play. But who, who would you put there, by the way? I'd put Drake May there, obviously. Oh, oh shit! I forgot. Okay, he's my QB three. Okay, I, okay. okay. I was um, like, okay, no, that's good. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Okay. Although I will say Drake May's had kind of a weird start, but um, <laughs> no. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll be my QB three then. Okay. But uh, he has been dynamic. Uh, slimmed down a little bit this year, and how comfortable he has looked from year one to year two. The difference there. Uh, is really, really interesting. So, yes. um, it, and when you get like that, you kind of have freedom to do kind of whatever you want with that offense. So he's looked really good. I think Ohio State could use him to kind of take that team to a level that we haven't really seen yet from them. And, you know, and, but but like I said, again, not trying to bash Ohio State, I don't think we've seen any team really get no. to that level, or at least not against a great team. So yep. we'll see what happens. But uh, I think I think that would help Ohio State right now. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I also f- think JJ would help Ohio State right now if he was over there. But yeah, I I I, I do think Kyle to that. Um, I'm going to take this time to talk about the one team that really has looked like the dominant team, and that's the Washington Huskies. Um, I think that the thing that you know is kind of being overlooked with Washington is a they haven't played many prime time slots. They've been playing, you know. Boise State, Cal, Michigan State. Uh, the Michigan State game was on Peacock. Like people haven't been able to access the Washington Huskies. They played at ten thirty against Cal, so it's kind of wet, you know the East Coast bias a little bit. Right. Um, but what Washington is doing is something that you know we've seen teams do in the past, but no team has done it this year. They are their game control statistics. So game control is when you lead a game or how many what percentage of your offensive snaps do you lead the game by a 14 or more points? Theirs is at 69%. Nice. That is that is unbelievable. That's 12% better than the team in second place which is Michigan. And like Boise State's a good group of 5 team. And obviously, Michigan State you thought would be better than what they showed, they showed this year. Uh, that that program is it, it might be the worst Big Ten program right now. It it, it genuinely might. Um, and then and then Cal who Cal played a, a tight game with Auburn, um, you know, in in Berkeley. And so, and obviously, I've, I mentioned the the weapons that they had last week. And to me, the big question for them is when they do play. Uh, a good team offensively, which they really haven't so far. Cal can throw the ball a little bit, not not you know elite at it like some of the other teams in the Pac-12. Will that pass defense be able to to hold it, hold its own? Because they, they don't get they don't generate generate a ton of pass rush up front, and their secondary isn't wasn't great last year. Hasn't had to prove itself this year. Um, but when I tell you that that offense might not be stopped this season, I, I'm serious. Like, I, I don't know. Like, Michael Penix kind of has a little bit of of Tua to him um, in the sense that, you know, he's got a stronger arm. Maybe it's more of a maybe it's more of a Joe Burrow thing where he's not going to make, like, the insane wow throws all the time, but he puts the ball right on the money. Like, I mean, he's, I think, at 75% completion percentage this year. Like, and, and and he's got more he's got more throws down the field than any other quarterback in college football. Like it, it, these are insane numbers we're talking about. Um, uh, there was something else. Oh, someone on tw- I saw somebody on Twitter say, and, and I don't know how I feel about it, but but this was interesting. Is Washington just doing what LSU did in 2019, where they started the season a little bit, you know, a little bit slower in the sense, you know, compared to where they finished the season, and then they finished the season on a tear that offense could not be stopped by literally anybody, and the defense was was just average, and that's all they needed to be. 
I'm going to hold off because LSU did have to play a, a, a good Texas team in Austin. Um, that, you know, I think it was like week four of that year. Uh, Washington hasn't been tested yet. But I do think that there's a chance that we see Washington, like, break things open, and, and by the end of the season, we're like, yeah, this is the best team, and it's not really that close. Um, Lane still hasn't gotten Ole Miss over that hump. Um, it's sad, because I'm a huge Lane Kiffin guy. He did wonderful things uh, as an OC at USC, and then, you know, got promoted to the head coach after, you know, a whole slew of different jobs, the Raiders, Tennessee. He was um, all over the place. Yeah, then goes to USC, then gets fired, then goes to FAU. Then was goes great at to, FAU. Uh, th- yeah, then he just goes to Ole Miss. Um, so, yeah, you know, Lane Kiffin's had a storied career. Um, as great as he is, and Ole Miss isn't this powerhouse program, you know, that deserves to be, you know, a top in the SEC, uh, he hasn't quite gotten them there yet. It's very sad. Uh, uh, it pains me to say it. Like, last year, starting out with such a great start, we kind of – you know, felt like, man, Lane Kiffin is just doing his thing, lose so many games in a row, uh, like four or five or five of six. I don't know what the exact number was. Um, and uh, and that really sucked uh, there. And now this year they get off to a 3-0 start and they lose to Alabama. Um, he just hasn't had that signature win at Ole Miss to sort of establish that program as no. one of the, you know, uh, 15 best in the country Tulane or 10 didn't do best it for in you. the country. At Tulane doesn't do it. I'm sorry. It's like you have to beat one of those storied programs, whether it be Alabama, Georgia, even LSU this weekend could kind of do it. But yeah, he, he just hasn't quite you know pushed that program over the hump yet. Not to the point where it's like he should be fired or anything like that. Of course not. But it's just like I don't know if he and Ole Miss have arrived yet. And uh, – and that's sad because he's actually doing wonderful things over yep. there. But he, but the point is he has to score one of those wins, and he hasn't yet. I have never been more wrong about a singular team in, in my existence than I was about Texas Tech this year. Um, they just lost to West Virginia, a West Virginia team that I picked to, I think, win two games this season. Um, so they're not 1-3 and three on the year. I picked them, to, in case you didn't see, I picked Texas Tech to go 12-1. and one. I, I said they were going to win the Big 12 championship. Um, that's not going to happen. I can walk. We can walk through, you know, rehash some old memories this season of the, you know, the seventeen point lead that they blew at Wyoming, and then the overtime, which they looked like an incompetent team, or the Oregon game, a game in which they probably should have won, and Tyler Shook turns the ball over like a billion times, um, and then and then you know they they I can't even remember who they beat. Um, didn't look great doing it, and then and then they play West Virginia, a Neil Brown led West Virginia team that I, I could I was like I was so certain that he was gonna be fired like week five of this season and, and all of a sudden I think they're three and one um or two and two. I don't quite remember their record. And and they just it, it's it's not even that they lost. It's like they didn't they got kind of embarrassed. Like they put up thirteen points against a West Virginia defense that is not that good. Um I don't know. I don't know where to go from here because I really do believe in Joey McGuire. Um, I think he's. I think. I think he is a good head coach. But this is like this is kind of an unacceptable start to the season. Like you just cannot have this happen. And I, I don't know. Like the. I guess the good thing this year is that I, I've been right about some other teams, and so like this won't totally kill my credibility. 
but it's teetering a little bit. I, I, my credibility credibility is teetering a little bit right now, and uh, it's not, it's not great. So I'm just going to kind of block out Texas Tech for the rest of the year. I think I think it's the best smart. Just pretend they don't exist anymore. Um, Colorado is a very sp- specific team, uh, which isn't a good thing. But 2023 will still be a huge accomplishment. Um, listen, this was an absolutely embarrassing loss. I mean, 42 to six against Oregon. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse or anything. But that was tough. That was brutal. Saw it coming. Um, yeah, you saw it coming. I did not. I thought, I I didn't think, you know, Dion would kind of let that happen, which is to say a guy, absolute, you know, Dan Lanning, absolutely talk shit for a week. And no, for like an entire season. Um, Wait, what? No, Dan Lanning, he... He said something about them leaving the Big Twelve. Yeah, to go to the or the Pac twelve to go to the Big Twelve. Yeah, but he he also he also clarified that it had nothing to do with. Yeah, that's fine. The, but and then and then he didn't say anything at all the rest of the season until this is, week. You know, Dion's going to take that as a slight, and doing yeah. so, I would think he would if try you, and if you walked if you walked wrong on the sidewalk and he was in the vicinity, he would take that as a yes, slight. That's the thing. Like everything, every like I don't blame Dan Lanning. I think he's a great. I mean, clearly he got his boys fired up. That's his job. Yeah, and. Honestly, what he said got me fired. Hey, what are we playing that. for? Yeah, we're, we're, we're fighting for wins. We're not fighting for clicks. You know, talk with your pads. Talk with your helmet. Talk with your helmet. <laughs> this is played on grass. Not, not in a, Hollywood. Not in Hollywood. Damn. That got me. That, that was intense, bro. It was like. Very next morning, because he, he was at the Bowling Green, <laughs> Ohio game. Very next morning, he comes out, and he just gives me that whole speech, and he's ready to go. Yes. Oh, that was <laughs> awesome. I got in at like 1230, woke up at 6 a.m. because we were running stairs at Peden. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, no, just kidding, just kidding. Off the record. Uh, no. <laughs> we were running stairs. I don't know where we were. We were um, no, we, we went to uh, Mount Everest and, and, and summited the mountain. Yeah, hopefully Mike isn't for, listening. But... For a little morning workout. Yeah, hopefully Mike isn't listening, but we have a running joke that we get up every morning at five in the morning to run stairs just just to get better, just to improve at our craft. And Mike's like, no, no, you guys aren't. We're like, yeah, get up with us. He's like, I've been up. No, you haven't been up. Because you okay? would have seen us. Anyway, um, no, but uh, but yeah, so yeah, I was I was ready to go and I just came in and I was like, talk with your pads. Uh, I don't know. I don't uh, he's know. forgot it. It's okay. Yeah, I kind of forgot it, but uh, we're playing for wins. They're playing for clicks. It's as simple as that. Um, I forget what he, what else he said because there's a great line in there too that I'm missing. But ah, darn it. Okay. Well, uh, but yeah, you know, he said that and saying all that. It's like if Colorado gets beat like that, um, it's embarrassing. Um, you know, and uh, and and yeah. Yeah, and I didn't expect that. I would think that like it's going to hurt their like viewership, you know? No, I, 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 you don't think so? The people who who the people that and I, I have something that I want to talk about a little bit later, but like the people who watch Colorado are only watching college football for Colorado. Yeah, um, we'll see what happens, but it that hurts. That hurts for them. Um, they're a team when they play teams like TCU that aren't strong in the trenches whatsoever. Yeah. And they can make games a track meet, which they did in that game. They can win games like that. They absolutely can win games like that. And even when they're playing very limited teams like Nebraska, who all they can do is, you know, play smash mouth, smash mouth football just okay, they can win games like that too because they can just load the box with nine or ten defenders, yeah. which they did. It's like, you know, this idea of like, oh, Colorado can't stop the run even if they want. Like, if they put 11 guys in the box, they can stop the run. Yes, they can. But, like, you can't do that consistently against mm-hmm. a, you know, yeah. 
two-dimensional team like Oregon. They have not just, you know, really physical offensive linemen. They've got weapons. They've got Bo Nix. They've got, you know, guys that they can make the make plays in the in the pass game. So when they're playing two-dimensional teams, no matter who it be, that are skilled, like they won't be able to stop. Like they won't be able to stop USC this weekend. In USC, you know, like they're not even known for their running game. Yeah. Lincoln Riley really isn't, although he's had some great running backs over the years. Like they won't be able to stop USC for a second no. on Saturday. Absolutely no. not. And USC will be able to stop Colorado. They will. Yeah. Um, but my point being, when they can get into track meets like that, like TCU, they can win games, you know. But against any other team, they're going to struggle. Um, they're just not – especially without Travis Hunter, no less. Yeah, they just lose their advantage. Yeah. And uh, um, now – they're good enough to win six or seven games. Yep, I still absolutely. think they're absolutely good enough to win six or seven games. I think they beat Arizona State. I think they beat Stanford. Um, I'll have to look at their schedule. I got you. I was I okay. literally just about to pull it up. I'd have to look at some of their other games. Okay, so we obviously USC lost. Lost. Arizona State win. win. Stanford, Stanford loss. Or I meant win. Yeah, I, I was looking ahead to the UCLA game. UCLA that's loss. a loss. Oregon State that's loss. a loss. Arizona at home win. win. Washington State loss. loss. Utah loss. All right, so I think six and six, yeah. but I think it's a pretty safe six and six. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I would. I would don't agree. really see them losing any of those other. Three. I would have a hard time believing or seeing them win any. Like UCLA's defensive line is unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Oregon State. I mean, they're just they run the ball better than almost any team in the country at this point. Washington State, you're not stopping Cam Ward, uh, and then Utah is Utah. They might be the most physical team I've ever seen. So, yeah, listen, folks, I thought that they could win seven or eight games earlier this year, I think. Um, but that was before, you know, Washington State and Oregon State became, you know, uh, pretty much two well, what darlings. Mike, uh, Mike just sent a TikTok. I don't know. Oh, okay. But, um, but yeah, so it's it's tough. But at the same time, it's still pretty impressive. Uh, that's like, insanely. They're over under They're over under win total at the start of the year was three and a half. Like, yes. This is insane. Extremely impressive. Um, so I don't know why people are, like, mad about this or, like, discouraged <laughs> about this, about, like, like people saying they'll win six games or trying to put this, like, down. I'm not trying to put this down at all. This is an extreme accomplishment yeah. that they are able to do this in year one coming off of a 1-1 team. I thought that they would go 4-8 and eight and 3-9. Three three and nine. I said after week one, I was like, hand up, I'm wrong. I was way wrong. Yes, this yes. team is much better Very than I wrong. thought that, 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 that – <laughs> I thought they would be, and you know they're still not going to be like you know uh, a top twenty-five team. I don't think the rest of the season. But having said that, six and six after yeah. after what he inherited, impressive. I and one of my one of my takeaways that I eventually changed because I figured that we would eventually talk about it at some point was like, why does the conversation have to be so toxic? Why does it have to be like so? Oh, it's there. It, you know, Colorado either is is overrated or they're you know um, or they're this insanely good team like. Guys, they're just like what they're doing right now is very impressive. Let's be realistic about our expectations. Right. Let's not change it on them. Three and a half was the was the Vegas over under win total at the beginning of the year. Like the fact that they are already at three wins is it should say you know leaps and bounds about you know the job that Dion's doing there and and well it might not be the the nine ten eleven wins that that some people thought after you know the the first three games of the season. It's still very impressive. Man, after that, after Saturday, I have more questions about Florida State than I would like to have uh, after getting a win on the road against a team. And I'm going to say this, and people are going to be like, oh, there wasn't a top 25 win. It was a top 25 win. Clemson was absolutely, and is still absolutely, a top 25 team in the country. Um, especially after watching Iowa, you cannot convince me otherwise. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. the fact that I even had that game on. It was on the third TV, yes, but the fact that it was even on a TV and I and I you know watched it for you know probably a third of like a third of the time. I I, I hate myself a little bit more after watching right. that game. Um, listen, Florida State did not really impress me that much. Honestly, they're a Phil Moffa, so the the Clemson running back. They're a Phil Moffa, you know pass pro block away from losing that game. If Phil Moffa doesn't leak out too early on the on the eventual fumble return touchdown, Clemson wins that game. He let, he leaked out too early before seeing the, the the delayed blitz and Kate Klubnick wasn't paying attention and he got absolutely rocked. Um, obviously for Clemson, bigger issues, turnovers. You, you've turned the ball over so many times. It's the reason why you lost to Duke um, or that was even a 20-point game was because I think they had four turnovers in that game might have been more um kid club has got to hold on to the football he played a, a pretty solid game and that's kind of where where in some of my concerns lie that florida state pass defense it, it concerns me i'm not gonna i'm not ready to say that it's awful yet because you know it, they still have some talent on the back end right they still got some guys that, that, that can make plays but maybe you know lsu wasn't able to take advantage of it because Jaden daniels isn't actually that good of a passer like, maybe that's, you know, maybe... And Kate, Kate Klubnick hasn't really showed that he's an elite passer either, but Clemson had guys open all all day. Like, it was all game they had guys open, and I think he ended up throwing for, like, 275 yards or something like that. Like, it, that's that's a huge question mark for me. Um, the fact that Florida State didn't lead until the eventual game-winning touchdown to Keon Coleman is is another thing. And, yes, it's going into one of the more, more hostile environments in college football, and, and it's an impressive win, yes. But, man, you didn't have a single lead in that game. Like, that's, you know, that's another question. The biggest question mark to me is the offense because the offense was the thing that was like, okay, Florida State's defense is not elite, but the offense is. Look at the weapons. Look at the players they have. They're going to be okay eventually. They couldn't run the football. I I think it's average by Clemson standards. It's probably, you know, still a top 30 run defense, I would say, in in, in the country. Um but like Clemson, I think it was like 2.8 yards per carry, something along those lines. Just absolutely stuffed Florida State at the line of scrimmage. And we're talking about a Florida State team who has an NFL caliber running back in Trey Benson, and their backup is even you know a, a guy who at some point down the road will probably get NFL looks. Um, they got dominated up front, could not throw the football. I don't know how much of this is on Travis Hunt or not uh, Jordan Travis for his shoulder, but it was his non-throwing shoulder. So like. But they couldn't throw the football. Like, like they were constantly, you know, not getting open. And I, I don't know, man. I, it just, it just felt like Florida State moved themselves down for me after a, you know what would be usually be considered a great win. Uh, to me, it feels like Clemson proved more than than Florida State did, even in a loss, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, the Big Ten is in an awful place, but it, it, you know I think it'll work itself out. Um, so going through it, okay. Oof. So Oof. I kind of had a realization. I think everyone did after the Minnesota Northwestern game, knowing how awful, I mean, abysmal Northwestern is. They're two having two lost. Yeah, I know, which is impressive. Having lost twenty four seven to Rutgers and watching that game played abysmal. Uh, getting absolutely shellacked by Duke. That's honestly not that bad of a loss. Um, but then beating Minnesota was sort of an eye-opener um, 
that this division is abysmal because now all of a sudden Minnesota should have lost to Nebraska. And, you know, Colorado gets absolutely whooped at Oregon and should have lost to Colorado State the week before. Kind of an eye-opener to how just okay, like just mid-Colorado is. Like, now we're talking about like half an entire division being abysmal. Northwest very bad teams. Is very bad. Uh, Minnesota, very bad. Nebraska, very bad. Illinois should have lost, like, they should literally be one and Should have lost three, to Toledo. Three, one and four. Almost lost to an FAU team without Casey Thompson. Yes, should have lost to Toledo. 30-28 to 28 won that game. Beat FAU 23-17 without Casey Thompson. Um, an FAU team who has gotten pretty much just manhandled the past two weeks previously. Yeah. Um, uh, expanding from that, Purdue is now one and three. Uh, losses. They don't look great. Yeah, and their one win Virginia is Tech. Virginia Tech, who is like we said, or like like we're talking about, abysmal. Uh, Wisconsin still has the loss out of conference. Um, Although the loss is looking better. The loss is looking better. Uh, the one, the one like silver lining, right? <laughs> the wins, Buffalo. Uh, a really ugly game. Yeah, and Buffalo's kind of not a good team. Late. Like, Buffalo's bad. Um, outside of that, in the East even. All right, well, the East is a good division, right? Well, Rutgers got just crushed by Michigan. Obviously, Rutgers, Rutgers is... Obviously, that game was okay. 31-7. They're, um, they're, they're an okay team. I would say they're probably like the seven, 65th to 70th best team. Their wins, Virginia Tech and Temple aren't looking nope. great after last week <laughs> nope. at all. No, they are not. Um, that, that doesn't help. <laughs> Um, so these are just the facts, right? Uh, Michigan State, I think you touched on it. One of the worst Power 5 teams yep. in college football right now. Absolutely. After the firing of Mel Tucker. Um, 41-7 to Washington. That game was even worse than it looked. It, it, could, Maryland, have been, it could have been so much worse. Indiana <laughs> should have lost to Akron. Yes. Uh, um, if it wasn't for a missed inside 30-yard field goal, I believe. Yeah. Um, so we're literally at like... I would say nine teams in this conference being just like yeah. either literally like I would say pretty much below average uh, at least eight I, being below average yeah. like power. Five I think teams. I think so. Right now you got Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Those are yeah. the top three. Yes, and then Maryland, Maryland Rutgers, Iowa, Wisconsin. Yeah, I I wouldn't even put Rutgers up there. Yeah. So and, so and Iowa is like Iowa is like this close for me like just kicking them out of the big time. Right. They're just like <laughs> average. Um. So yeah, so half of our half of this conference is is very bad, and and not just like oh, just like okay, no, oh, like Purdue is God. abysmal, Indiana is, is abysmal, Illinois is abysmal, um, uh, and the and the worst just, the worst part about it is that Penn State didn't look great against Illinois. Yeah, that's a funny thing. The good news for the Big Ten, I think they're caught in a bad time. Listen, uh, Let's I hope so. I mean, Michigan State has to fire their coach because of sexual harassment. Maryland, within the last decade, had to fire their coach for like malpractice, oh, yeah. pretty much. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, obviously, Nebraska's gone through like five bad coaching hires in the last decade. Purdue had their coach get hired to a lesser program, I would say, with Louisville football. It's close, but especially in the last twenty-five years, I would say it's Purdue. Um, really. Yeah, I think so. I mean, with what? the Teddy Big B Ten and Lamar years. Yeah, okay, maybe. But we have a Big Ten championship. I don't think they do. I don't think they have an ACC. I, um, uh, did they have a I Big East? Maybe. When they were in there. Obviously. Uh, whatever. But <laughs> maybe an equal program. How about that? Yeah. Um, it, yeah, yeah. So uh, Jeff Brom leaving there. Purdue taking Illinois' hot defensive coordinator and then making Illinois mid. Um, 
Iowa with, as we said, the worst form of nepotism I've seen ever. Ever. Period. It is so bad. Um, offensive coordinator who, you know, I mean, to, 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 to just put it frankly, has been inept so far. I mean, he has been. I, I honestly feel like if you put a fifth grader in, in, out, on, on the sideline, he would call better plays than Brian Ferris. And to top it off, Northwestern's worse than anyone. Fired their head coach. Off of the worst scandal we've seen since Penn State. They're be- the best head coach they could possibly ever have. We're talking about Northwestern. Probably Pat Fitzgerald true. is a Northwestern grad. He was never leaving Northwestern. I do not know if they will ever get a coach that will put up with the shit that the Northwestern admission, the, the Northwestern's admissions is and, and still be successful. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Wisconsin fired their... Like third highest winningest coach in program history, literally last <laughs> and then, year, and then told their defensive coordinator who was who was beloved by Wisconsin. Yes. Sorry, you're not good enough. <laughs> yeah, kick rocks, man. Leave. That's what they told him, and that leaves us in with Minnes- Minnesota. I was gonna say, did you talk about Minnesota? Who's- that leaves us with Minnesota, who just lost to said Northwestern program. Uh, also, they're on like <laughs> Kansas levels of like uh, they're on Kansas levels of football program. Like they are that bad historically. Like. When you play NCAA 14, and the only reason I know this is because I was looking for bad teams like to play with, they were a 79 overall in 2013. Yeah. Like, we're talking about a Power 5 program that had, like, I don't know, probably like 30 Group of 5, pro- group of five programs that were better than it. Yes. <laughs> Indiana's maybe the crowning jewel for of just the basketball school. I and, mean, and they're also like, when is Indiana ever good? When crazy shit's happening, right? World right. War II COVID. So, right? um... The good news is a lot of these things, it looks like it's just like awful moments. Northwestern, Michigan State, um, you know, yeah. I got some good Nebraska news for you. Nebraska to some, to some extent. Um, but, you know, so in, I, think, I think they'll get out of it. Uh, if not, this is one of the worst conferences in football for years. I think, I think this year it absolutely is the worst Power Five. Yeah. Conference. I mean, I don't. I don't know if it's that close either. The Big Twelve might be might be like yeah. step step for step right now. Yes. But um, I guess the good news for for the Big Ten, Matt. I really liked the Matt Rule hire. I did also like really like the Scott Frost hire. So take that with a grain of salt. I like Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. I think that's. I think he's going to have that program humming pretty soon. I, I don't know if PJ Fleck at, at Minnesota is ever going to be good. I don't know if Minnesota is ever going to be good. Like he he has, in my opinion, he has taken them to the mountaintop. Like yeah. like what they did in the 2019 season is the best that program will ever be. Um, the real good news: Washington, Oregon, USC, and UCLA are all coming to the conference next year. It looks as, awesome. As much as I hate that, they look like premier programs. So yeah. you know, I guess overall for the Big Ten, that's good. But like. You kind of want your home, your homegrown talent to really figure it the fuck out. Oh my god, um, Cam Ward, Josh Kelly, and the Washington State Cougars are going to play spoiler in the Pac-12. I don't know who they're going to beat, but they're beating somebody, and they're going to do it pretty badly at the end of the season. I actually want to look at their schedule real quick. Um, Washington, of course. Let me. They they play Washington. I feel like that's kind of a bad matchup for them because they're the exact same team. Um, Washington's so, just better. So we'll see. So they got UCLA next week. They got a bye week this week. So, yeah, they, so this week, is the next Washington, week. UCLA. Oregon, watch out. Seriously, watch out for that game. Um, okay, that's it. It's, it's Oregon and Washington after this. Yeah. So maybe they won't play spoiler. Maybe they'll just be really fucking good. I, I, I don't know. But like what I saw from them on Saturday when they played Oregon State, I was... I, I think they impressed me the most out of any single team that I watched. It was Cam Ward making... 
And, and he's going to be in kind of the Bryce Young conversation where his, or not even Bryce Young, more like a Kyler Murray or Caleb Williams type situation where, because he's not dainty. He's like a thicker build, but he, I think he's 5'9". I legitimately think he's 5'9". He is a very short quarterback, but he has an arm. Oh my God. He's a cannon. Yeah. And, and some of the throws he makes, like seriously, I just want you to watch a Washington State game because he's unbelievable. You put me on him last year. Yeah. I think it was the USC game, right? Yeah, I saw him in the USC game. Wow, he's actually six two. Damn, no way. Yeah, no, he looks so much shorter than that. I call, but, I call cap. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe that's right. But no, I saw him in the USC game for the first time, and nobody could tackle him. I mean, that was just the bottom line. And that, maybe that's USC, but like just the <laughs> just the quickness in short spaces was so unique, and like. You could just tell with his throwing motion, he had an absolute whip. He didn't and make it's any, gotten better. Yeah, he didn't make any like <laughs> they, they very deep throws, off, but the, the velocity of his throws it was extremely impressive. And you know that combination of agility, arm strength, um, and just overall abilities as a natural thrower, really unique. I think he should absolutely be in the conversation for a first, second, third round pick. I, I, yeah, I, there's a team next year that's going to get very lucky because Cam Warren's going to be flying under the radar a little bit just because that's kind of how Washington State as a program right. is. But I'm telling, you, I'm telling you right now, their defense did have some moments in the second half where I was like, okay, let's clean that up. In the first half, they played a lot better than I thought they were going to, which inevitably or which ultimately helped them win the game. Seriously, I... I and I know it's tough because a lot of their games are at 10.30. Um, I think they play a 3.30 next week against UCLA. It is on Pac-12 Network. I don't know if anybody has Pac-12 Network, which fucking sucks. But seriously, if you have if you have the opportunity to watch a Washington State football game, please do. They are legit. And I, I would prefer that you wake up a little bit sooner than later on this team because they're a lot of fun to watch. They're going. They're going to play. Spoiler. It's kind of tough because they. I thought they played UC, USC. I thought they played Utah. Um, so they're going to be. I'm going to say it right now. They're going to be one of Oregon or Washington State or Washington. They play both of them on the road though, so that's a little tough. Um, NFL. NFL. Get into it. Uh, Travis Kelsey has that dog in him. Um, he he puts up Taylor Swift in the in the press box to watch him play. Or not in the press box and whatever, in the suite. Uh, and that's awesome. I think he went to see Taylor Swift do her thing. And then he says, hey, you know, come watch me play. The balls of that and a new relationship. Good for him, man. Good for him. You know, I mean, there's a lot of pressure there. You play awful in front of your new girlfriend for the first time. Maybe she's like, let me get with this Patrick Mahomes guy instead. But instead, he scores a touchdown has 70 receiving yards, maybe 69, um, and and just just has a great game. Obviously, the Bears are just abysmal, so that helps. But um, but yeah, I gained some respect with that move. That's a that's a good move, you know, to do that. So um, that was great to see, uh, and I'm happy for them. And you know what? I'm not a big Travis Kelsey fan. I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan. But the truth is, I ship them. You know, I do ship them. There's something to be said about that. Um, for whatever reason, they just, I don't know. I just ship them. So I think they have the like right energy together. Um, so, you know, it's, it's cool. Taylor Swift might be the most famous person in the world. We were talking about this. It's probably Trump, um, for better or for worse. But I, I think she's like top five. I do think she's top five. I mean, she is incredibly popular, incredibly famous for her to show up to the chiefs game as the, as the, you know, uh, girlfriend of Travis Kelsey and pop star in her own right uh, is pretty cool. And I'm not even a Swifty, by the way. I'm not. I'm an Olivia Rodrigo fan. So give T-Swift 
and Travis Kelsey credit, I ship them. Devon Achan, Achan, which is what how he wants his name pronounced now. Achan, Achan. I don't, I don't know why. Like, does that look like Achan to you? No, it looks. He like had a point seven EPA per carry. Ugh, that is Dude's insane. Um, okay, my very first NFL takeaway. Wait, do you want to respond to what I said? I guess it's my my first takeaway. We're talking about the NFL. Oh, okay. My first takeaway. Can I have my sport back, please? Can I pl- can I have my sport back with Dion at in college football and Taylor Swift Wait, and Travis Kelsey? Hold on, that's now. a little bit unfair. Dion's a college football coach. Yes, but Keyshawn Johnson literally got on on Undisputed today and said that other coaches colluded with with Dan Lanning to 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 tell them how to beat Colorado. This is this is the kind of bullshit in in, in football that the, the the sports talk world that makes that makes me hate. What it what it is, and normally I like sports like, talk. You mean what? Or, I said sports talk world. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It makes it makes me hate it, and and normally I really like it. But like, why? Tell me why Joel Klatt is sitting on TV talking about Colorado for fifteen minutes. Like I, I don't. What are we doing? He what talked more this? about Colorado than he did Oregon. What, what show was this on? This was on his podcast. Oh. And I was what watching earlier. Say? He was basically like, he's like, yeah, it's Dion, you know, Dion. They're all they're playing Dion. It's Dion, Dion this, Dion that, Dion this, Dion that. It's like undisputed. Um, first things first, like all of the Fox shows outside of Coward, because Coward actually does a, a good job covering college football, which is crazy to say. Um, uh, first take, um, all you know, all of the not like the more more like get up. They all talk. They only talk about Colorado. They literally do not care about any other single team in college football, and it pisses me off. Why? Because Colorado didn't, has done nothing to deserve that credit. Like I, I bring this up week after week after week. Washington State does, deserves so much more credit than in Colorado, and here we are talking about Colorado again and saying the most outlandish things and making it a racial thing. And it, and it's like I, I just can't do it anymore. I can't do it. And then on Sunday, I have to, I have to hear about Taylor Swift the entire fucking Chiefs game, and I do not care. I do not care about the relationship of Travis Kelsey. I don't care about the relationship of any other NFL player. I, I, I want to watch football. And yes, it was a bad game. I understand that. The Bears are awful. The Bears are poverty. They're one of the worst teams and, and organizations I've ever seen with my own two eyes. But I do not give a crap about who Travis Kelsey is dating. In fact, I, I, I went so far as to just mute my Twitter for Taylor Swift because I kept Wait, seeing it everywhere. You? I cannot take it anymore. I literally cannot take it. Like, what are we doing? Why was that the biggest story on NFL Sunday? We have, we have 18 weeks of regular season NFL football, and that was the biggest takeaway. How about the fact that the Cardinals beat the Cowboys? Yeah, right? wait, I have that on there. Like, like what, what the hell are we doing? What are we doing? This, it, is, it, is, it is blasphemy. It's a disgrace. Every single sportscaster making a Taylor Swift pun. It, it, it is, it is like the that. single biggest disgrace weekend for, any, for sports talk media that I've ever seen. Ever. Wait. I'm disappointed. Okay, hold on. You said that you keep hearing these Taylor Swift stuff, or you kept hearing it on Sunday. Who did you hear it from? Oh, oh, you know who I heard it from. You would not shut up about it. The broadcast <laughs> wouldn't even stop talking about it. This, you you were the biggest culprit. I, I, think, I think you probably pushed me over the edge a little bit, but like, I'm sick and tired. Like, and it, it, was for, it was for one day, and I'm already done. I'm done with it. I don't want to hear any more about it. I, let me were watch you, football. Were you stunned by me? Let me watch football. No. No, because no, once I once I gave my first reaction to it, I knew you were going to keep keep yeah. going back to it. Um, I, I did it to myself, but it, it's it's stupid, it's dumb, and I'm going to get into it with my with my next takeaway. We are literally watching 
one of the greatest offenses we have ever seen and one of the greatest defenses we have ever seen. And the biggest story was fucking Taylor Swift dating Travis Kelsey. And that's not even talking about how the fact that it's a PR relationship. Whoa. They are not actually dating. Yes, they are. Uh, I have never seen a more a group a, a, a group of two of, of more awkward dating. people. If you guys saw the video of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift walking out of the locker room, it looks like he's a he's a middle schooler that doesn't know what to do. I'm glad you're talking about that because this is my next two or three takeaways actually. So I, I know I, it's not. I made my four. I made four takeaways about. Taylor I know you. Swift I know you Kelsey. didn't. Um, but, and you're just kind of you're just kind of playing this this whole so thing up to get at me. What I want it's can I go? Yeah. But I just want my sport back. College football, it's like, like why is Big Noon going back to Colorado? Why? Yes. I don't mind that. They're going back to Colorado. What? At least game day is going. That was before the the Oregon game. At least game day is going to Durham. That's that's awesome. That's a great game. Notre Dame Duke coming up. But, like, seriously, what? what are we doing? Can I ask you something? I don't know because, like, a lot of your questions lately I haven't liked. So, I don't know if you can. No, you'll like this one. How does Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, how does that affect the Chiefs' legacy? Did, did you know that was an actual question on Undisputed? That was, they actually talked about that on Undisputed. They, they, why, what, why can't we what talk about the, it? What the hell are we doing? Seriously, is this what, is this what it's come to? Where, where we talk about Colorado losing by 100, 105 points and say that, oh, they're just colluding against Dion. And then we get on and talk about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. And how does this affect their legacy? Well, what, what the fuck listen, you're, is going on here? You're, you're a smart guy. I want, I want to hear your thoughts. How does it affect Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs? Honestly, I think both of them should be nuked into oblivion. <laughs> there are my thoughts. Well, on that note, I guess I'll move on. Listen, I still think it's interesting. You know what I mean? Maybe that's because I have a little bit of pop culture sensibilities, um, you know. But you know, yeah, I, I thought it was very interesting. Um, Wait, why didn't you care? Why didn't you care this much when when Tom Brady was rumored to date, be dating Taylor, or Kim Kardashian? Why didn't you care that much? Because Kim, Carda- Kim, uh, Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian is very famous. Why didn't you care? Wait, wait, hold on. Wait, why didn't you wait, care? On, on. Wait, why, why didn't Can you I care? Answer? He wasn't playing at the time. But yeah, he was. When was this? This was, this was back in the. Uh, they were rumored. The first rumor came out when he was finishing with okay. the with the Bucks in the playoffs. Dude, if she came to one of his games, yes, she was there. Did she actually? Yeah. Well, they didn't show her, dude. If they exactly. show her, exactly, dude. All right, from, I don't want yeah, to see that. From my from my perspective, if they showed Kim Kardashian like going like jumping up and down for like a Tom Brady touchdown, dude, that I would that would have been all over my timeline. I would have like liked those tweets. Yes, that, I would have been. You're, all you're over not that. a real football fan. Okay, well, um, Dallas has a serious weakness now. Um, Trayvon Diggs is out, and it has opened up sort of a glaring yeah. weakness that Dallas has had ever since Anthony Brown went down, like week twelve of last year. Um, they have not nearly enough depth at corner. At, at safety, they're actually pretty decent. Lee Cooker and who is it? Jaron Kirsch. Um, have nailed down those positions actually pretty well for the Cowboys. Yep. Having said that, beyond that, especially at corner, they've got nobody. They have nobody. Stephon Gilmore is a bum. I mean, I hate to say it, but he has not played great football in, like in years. Um, he looked awful against the Cardinals. Uh, Hollywood was just absolutely routing him up. Um, the the Josh Dobbs in general went for you know way too many yards than he should have. Um, this Cowboys defense went from probably the best in the league to, you know, uh, 
elite, uh, a defense that absolutely, you know, has issues. And against teams like the Bills, obviously they won't play them that much, but the but the Eagles for sure, um, you know, the 49ers, if it gets to that, will eat that secondary alive. And I don't know if they have an answer for it because what teams are doing now is, hey, man, you know, we can we can block seven guys and, and double Micah. And even if we have three guys out, you know, going out for passes, we can pick on Stephon Gilmore or whoever the, you know, Cowboys have out there at corner and, and pick up some serious yards. And that's what happened. I mean, put aside the fact that Dak played awful yesterday and really got embarrassed by, uh, you know, a very mediocre Cardinals defense. Like, this defense is not the unit it, it was. It, it was really had the opportunity to be an all-time unit, like the Browns could be. Um but as it is now, they have a serious issue there, and I don't know how they're going to patch that up. And it, it, it definitely changes the trajectory of this Cowboys team. Trayvon Diggs goes out for the season with the torn ACL. We'll see what's we'll see what happens. But I, and you know, I mean, the Cowboys offense always has ups and downs. Yep. Some weeks it looks amazing, some weeks it doesn't. <laughs> but giving up twenty eight points to the Cardinals is one of the worst defensive performances yeah. the Cowboys have had since Dan Quinn has been the defensive coordinator. And that is alarming. That is very alarming. Yep. Um, okay, so we got to talk about Jock McDaniels real quick because this guy is someone who week after week is basically saying, hey, we cannot, like, you cannot hire me again as a head coach. And I saw a clip on Twitter. It was like, yeah, uh, Mark Davis doesn't have the money to fire him. Like, he literally does not have the money to pay the, 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 the rest of his contract. Um, so that so he will be the head coach um, for the next, I think it's two years, because um, he doesn't have the liquid cash. To. <laughs> it's actually kind of insane. Um, but Josh McDaniel is kicking a field goal inside the 10-yard line, down eight, I think it was fourth and four, with a minute 30 left? Yeah, no, it was two and a half minutes left. Was it two and a half minutes left? Yeah, it was a little bit more time, yeah. Still wild. With two and a half minutes left is absolutely indefensible. And it was so funny because at the end of the game, at, so at, in his post game press conference, he was like, "We needed two possessions." It's like, wait, so were you were you not going to go for two when you got the touchdown? If you got the touchdown, or were you just like expecting your team not to get the touchdown? Um, so basically, how it sets up is it was twenty three fifteen. The Raiders had already gotten a two point conversion on their previous touchdown drive to get it to an eight point game. They're down sixteen, uh, twenty three to seven. So they get the two point conversion. They line up for a field goal on fourth and three or no they line up four maybe no yeah it was fourth and four because it got them a first down right um yeah the penalty or it's fourth and six yeah something like that it was four so it was fourth and six they line up for a field goal i I don't remember how long it was like a 47 yarder or something um the win probability statistic um it said probably kicked a field goal like it was it was it was like within a tenth of a percentage point yep. um and so it was it, it was it wasn't leaning either way there was like three and a half minutes after that time. yeah and so it was a bad call i didn't hate it though. so you kicked a field goal there the thought process is you still have all three timeouts you still have uh the two minute warning you kicked the field goal there's plenty of time there for you to get a stop get the ball back go down the field and score a touchdown the Pittsburgh Steelers have some sort of... I don't know what the penalty was, but yeah. it, it was... in Holding or something. It like was that. some weird infractional penalty. And, and so the the 
the Raiders get the first down. They drive down the field right there. In the, they're, in with, they're in the red zone. They're within the 10-yard line. They get stopped on a couple of plays. All of a sudden, it's fourth and four um, from, like, the nine-yard line. And Josh McDaniels, it was really funny because uh, Tariko was, was like, wait, they're setting up the field goal unit again? Whoa, what, what's, what's going on? And when, when the broadcaster is saying that, you know there's a problem. Um, so they set up the field goal unit. Now, here's the issue. Going for it to win, I gotta. I, I want to find the exact number because I think going for it, the win probability percentage, if you get it, was 15.2%. By kicking the field goal, it was 10%. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about a 5% difference um, by kicking the field goal there. So you kick the field goal, it's still a one possession game, right? So you're already down at the nine yard line. If you kick the field goal, you have to drive all the way back down again in order to get the touchdown. Whereas if you just go for it there, don't get the touchdown, oh well, because now they're they're backed up into the red zone, in, right. into their end zone. If you stop them, if you, like, if you, if you keep them from getting a first down, you have a great field position. Or there's a chance that you can get the safety. Like, there are so many different factors that go into this, and it feels like Josh McDaniel was like, eh, I'll just take a field goal here. I don't care. I don't care. Like, and I don't know if that's something that you'll hear talked about, but you will hear Brandon Staley going for it on fourth and one from his own 28-yard line a lot because it put it put the Chargers in jeopardy. And and the difference in that win probability statistic was nine and a half. Like, the 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 win probability said, go for it here because you'll have a nine and a half percent percentage increase in winning this ball game. And and so they went for it, couldn't get the yard. And right. that's and that's really on, you know if your offense can't get a yard that's on you right and, and, but like for Josh McDaniels it was like no he didn't, he didn't even think about it and then after the game he's just so ignorant to to the whole process behind it I don't know man I don't know how NFL coaches can continue to get away with this kind of stuff um, when there are when there are people that you could literally pay like a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars a year to do it for you right it's funny. The coaches kind of like that, the field goal down eight. I think, so they, I think they hate the having to go for two just okay. to get to overtime. In the, yeah, they do. The no, exact they same do. Thing yeah, the that's NFC the thing. That's the thing that I saw on Twitter was like, oh, well, if if they get the touchdown and go for two, then they can't win it in regulation. Yeah. It's like, and? Yeah, right. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. you want to have a shot in overtime? So somebody went back and looked at the exact same down situation, you know, roughly same time left in the game, um, down the same amount of points. There have been 22 instances, I think it was either 22 or like 24 instances in NFL history of that situation. Nobody's kicked a field goal. Literally, wow. it was 19 passes and five running attempts. Damn. Crazy. Um, the AFC South is not the haves and have-nots. Um, well, uh, my AFC champion, the Jaguars, you'll be getting into this. Looks to be dead. One and two. A couple of pretty... Well, I guess the, the uh, Chiefs' performance wasn't too bad. But a couple of pretty bad performances so, so far. Week yeah. one was not clean either. Uh, week three against the Texans was absolutely abysmal. I mean, giving up special teams returns, you know, um, not not clicking for some reason on offense at all throughout this entire season. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looking amazing at the end of the year, and now this year just kind of looking very average, I would say. Um they are not the team we thought they were. Um, it's very frustrating. I wish they were. I don't really like a lot of the other teams in that division. But as it is, it's it's going to be now a dogfight. I don't think it's the Jaguars' uh, division no matter what. I think the Colts could easily steal it. I think the Texans could easily steal it. Uh, no, I don't think the Texans could as much. But I think the Colts definitely could. Um, we have the Colts who just picked up a huge win over the Ravens without their young quarterback. Um this is getting to be an issue. So this, there's some parity in this division. It's very sad. I wish it wasn't like that. But uh, 
But yeah, it's a bad spot because the Jags are not 10 times better in this division that we thought they were, meaning they can't pick up easy wins, as we've seen. They lost to the Texans at home, no less. Um, and that these teams could also pick up wins outside of the division and, and potentially uh, uh, take it from the Jags. So this is uh, this is actually a race now. And um, I hate it for the Jaguars, but, yep. but that's, what we're, that's what we're in. So... So this is what I was kind of getting at with uh, with the whole Taylor Swift thing. We are literally in the midst of seeing an all-time offense in, in the Miami Dolphins and an all-time defense in the Cleveland Browns. Yet that's not getting any play at the whole, <laughs> the whole thing Taylor Swift thing is. Okay, so the Miami Dolphins just put up 70 points in a NFL football game. Se- I, you heard that right. 70 points in an NFL football game. And I saw somebody tweet this and it was really funny. If I had told you on Saturday night that Colorado losing to Oregon would not have been the worst loss a team from Colorado had all weekend in the in the sport of football, would you have believed me? And certainly you'd be like, oh, so did Colorado State get housed or something? No, it was the Denver Broncos in an NFL football game losing by 50 points. Um, what, the, what the Miami Dolphins did uh, yesterday, I think, was the best EPA performance and they took their starters out in in midway through the third quarter was the best EPA performance I think since they they just started measuring EPA um and it, 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 like they went back I saw I think I saw since 1994 it was quite literally the best offensive performance we have ever seen um Tua looks fantastic the D- Devon A chain addition I mean it's literally the fastest offense I made the I made the comment Al Davis would love this offense wish he was alive to see it um very unfortunate that he passed a couple of years ago um but like and also I, I do want to talk about the Denver defense they missed 24 tackles they're an NFL team and missed 24 tackles what's really going on there but seriously like what we're seeing and, and that was without Jalen Waddle by the way like Jalen Waddle did not play for the Miami Dolphins and they still did that okay now let's talk about the all-time defense the Cleveland Browns are doing something that we have quite literally never seen before um since what was what was the stat I gave you since like 20 I don't remember. was it 2018 it was 20 I can't remember Damn a couple it. Of years back um the Cleveland Browns defense is has well, that was just the last year was it was it since 2022 yeah. um the Cleveland Browns defense weeks one, two, and three have had three of the top ten defensive success rates in the NFL. This year, they have all th- they have the top three. When you look at EPA per play that the defense is is adding, it is it is almost it is almost negative point four. That is, I think, a whole po- negative point or a whole point two points better than any other team in the NFL. Like what we are seeing from this defense, they've given up um, was it th- three touchdowns this season. Or did did Um, Pittsburgh score two on offense? I can't remember. I think they've given up 18 points the whole year. Okay, so then it was... No, that's not right. Oh, yes, yes, it it is. It was 18 offensive points, yeah. Yeah, So so Pittsburgh got a touchdown and a field goal? Is that Uh, what it was? Touchdown and two field goals, maybe? Um, Yeah, maybe touchdown and two field goals. Yeah, because they haven't given up up a, a touchdown at home. Yeah, like like the, the the Bengals were held to three, the Titans were held to three, and I, I I'm going to sound like a broken record like this all season uh, until they like have a bad game because what they're like I don't know how sustainable this is, but like they are playing on an ungodly level right now. In I saw somebody like somebody I tweeted this, and uh, somebody was like, oh well they've played Kenny Pickett, they played one like Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill, and Kenny Pickett. It's like. I was like, and they're, they're NFL teams. Right. Like this is, we have not seen this before. Um, 
I don't want I don't want to go this far yet because it feels kind of like one of your hyperbolic takes. Like we could put we could be talking about this defense in the same breath of the 1985 Bears and the 2000 Ravens. Like so. that is how good this defense has been through three weeks of the NFL season. The fact that they're only doing one is just Sad. blasphemous. <laughs> um, the NFC is the 49ers to lose. Um, I agree. I mean, listen, uh, the Eagles. We'll have to see them play tonight. We're filming this on Monday, so we still haven't seen them play. If they look like just you know world beaters, then it's like all right, you know maybe maybe there's that. But as of right now, this 49ers team really hasn't been touched. Uh, the the Rams kicked the last second field goal to make that a one possession game. That game really wasn't that close, especially when the 49ers got the got their legs under them. Uh, they took apart a Steelers team that is now two and one. Mm-hmm. Uh, won that game handedly, thirty to seven. You know, uh, last week against the Giants, whose Cardinals win isn't looking bad anymore. Um, they they took them apart thirty to twelve. Were in control of that game the entire time. Daniel Jones had an awful awful performance. Uh, the defense has been incredible. The offensive weapons are performing. Uh, you know, CMC has looked fantastic. George Kittle, uh, the wide receivers, Brandon Ayuk was out. They still move the ball with Debo Samuel. Um, this is this is a complete complete team and and you know as much as i hate to say it it's theirs to lose the cowboys after that cardinals game they're not on their level anymore uh i I, and especially the loss of trayvon diggs that defense has a huge gaping you know hole uh at, at corner so uh they're not on their level the offense doesn't have the weapons um of san francisco so they're really on a level of their own we'll see how the eagles play but as, as good as the 49ers have looked, they might be on their own level in the entire NFL. I mean, even the Chiefs have that loss in Wait, week you one. Think, what about the Dolphins? Yeah, the Dolphins have been great. The Dolphins have been great. I think in a matchup between those two teams, it be would be really interesting. interesting. But I think the 49ers are just a much more complete team. As good as the Dolphins I would agree with that, defense yeah. have been, has been... Um, with uh, with Vic Fangio, he's, yeah, he's like the only person that can run that defense well. Yeah, I don't think they have the guys that the 49ers do. So I think as of right now, the 49ers just have a slight leg up. So uh, I think they might be on their own level right now. Um, yeah. So you mentioned that the Jags might actually be in trouble, and I'm going to try to quantify this um, because it's not Trevor Lawrence, and you're going to see a lot of people. I, in fact, I have already seen a lot of people on Twitter. They're using counting stats against Trevor Lawrence, and and the people that use counting stats are always the most stupid people. So, what Trevor Lawrence has done this season has been at a top five quarterback level. He does have two interceptions, yes, but he has played at a top five quarterback level. The problem is the receiving core has absolutely let him down. Outside of the week one game in which Calvin Ridley went off, he has, I think he has four drops on the season. He had one yesterday that was, that was a 30-yard touchdown in, in the breadbasket that he just straight-up dropped. Um, the, the Jaguars wide receivers, by, by dropping the football, have taken away 15 points of total offense when you talk, when you, when you, when you talk about the EPA per play. It is it is unbelievable, you know, uh, the kind of stuff that that Trevor has had to has had to deal with, and that's not even talking about the fact that the Jags defense gave up thirty four points to the, the the Texans. Like CJ Stroud has looked really good. Yes, and don't get me wrong. Teams, and uh, th- that's right. Uh, <laughs> 
I, I forgot about that. I just kind of blocked that out from my memory. A fullback who had trouble fielding a kickoff returned it for a touchdown. Yeah. Because, because like five, six, seven people missed a tackle. Yeah. It, it was absolutely embarrassing. Um, there was another st- – okay, so Trevor Lawrence has been the second highest graded quarterback in all, in all of the NFL per PFF. There was another. Uh, there was another chart I wanted to look at. Oh, I had it up. Where did it go? Twitter did the auto refresh thing. It's annoying. Oh, because um, it was it was a graph, and I think it was completion percentage over expected and EPA. But I don't know. It's usually the one you'll see with uh, with quarterbacks. Um, but Trevor Lawrence. Literally, oh no, it was PFF grade, and what was the one on the on the y axis? I can't remember, but he was, so he was basically down in the bottom, in the bottom right. His PFF grade is insane, but his whatever that, oh, it was EPA. So his PF, offensive PFF grade, uh, passing PFF grade, and then EPA per play. His EPA per play is like bottom of the league. Why? Because his receivers can't catch the football. They lead the league in drops. Um, and and I, I do think there's also an, a whole other issue with Trent Baalke. And, and I kind of, I kind of talked about, Trent Baalke before, I think he's one of the worst GMs in the NFL. I will say, though, because I, I was nice to him last year. I thought, it's like, hey, maybe I was wrong about Trent Baalke. I was actually right. He he kind of masked his um, his piss-poor ability to draft, uh, to draft with, with a lot of really good free agent signings. When you talk about uh, the, the addition of Evan Ingram and Christian Kirk, maybe a little too much money on Christian Kirk with how they're using him now, but last year it looked like a great signing. Um, Calvin Ridley making that trade, signing Brandon Scherf, who was great last year, doesn't look that good this year. Who knows what's going on with that? Um, like, I thought, maybe, uh, uh, maybe he's okay. And maybe he's, maybe, he cannot draft. And, and, and we, we question his picks on draft night. Um, right. You know, he made the hire of Urban Meyer. That speaks for itself, right? Um, obviously, Trevor Lawrence was the obvious was the was the obvious pick in that in that class. But then they drafted Travis Etienne in the first round, and Etienne was a great running back. But I thought there were other options that you could have gone there. I think it was the twenty fifth overall pick. Like, I didn't think that was the way to go. Um, and then the next year, they draft Trayvon Walker. Right. Aiden Hutchinson is played like a like a all pro caliber edge rusher through the first three weeks of this season. Meanwhile, Trayvon Walker is still learning how to do a swim move. <laughs> like, like this is like there are clear, clear problems with the way he's drafted. And I will say he's had some hits. Like I wasn't a fan of the Devin Lloyd pick either at the end of the first round. Tyson Campbell was a fantastic pick. He's been one of the best corners in the NFL. Outside of that, maybe Anton Harrison this year. We'll see. I wasn't a huge Anton Harrison fan. Like I don't know the the way you supplement your team. And the foundation of it is by drafting. The great teams draft well. That's why the Kansas City Chiefs have been able to sustain this for as long as they have. They do a really good job drafting. The Jags haven't. And you're starting to see that pop up. they got a lot of holes. And you can't just fix that overnight. Um, so, who knows? I, we might be wrong about our, our, you know, our AFC Super Bowl or AFC champ. But I, the team, the good team is still there. The question is... A can the receivers figure out how to catch a football and not let Trevor down because he made he makes some beautiful throws and B can the defense figure it the fuck out? Um, last takeaway, I am a little worried about Bryce Young. Um, <laughs> listen, yeah. so obviously he didn't play last week. I think he was hurt. I'm guessing. Yes, he um, was hurt. Yeah, but 
Andy Dalton did play and looked better than Bryce Young has looked all season. Yeah. So um, the point being, he could be doing a little bit better right now. Obviously, the Seahawks defense has been up and down especially, this year. Especially um, with how C.J. Stroud has looked. Yeah. Oh, here it is. When you're talking about... Here's the graph. I'm going to show it to you. That's where Trevor Lawrence is. His wow. EPR play is almost minus 0.2. Yeah. And that's like Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Bryce Young levels. PFF is But the insane. PFF is literally the second best behind Tua. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. Um, but, yes, and, and, and you, you hit on this with how good C.J. Stroud's looked and Anthony Richardson. These guys are making plays, and Bryce Young hasn't. I don't know what it is. I don't know if the game is kind of speeding up on him. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know really what the issue is. I do, I do have some sort of a reason, and the, the crazy thing about it is, like, week three, the receivers played a lot better. But, like, his games, he has had no... Like, he has had nobody get open. Like, his, yeah. his, his wide open... Um, his wide open, like, attempts percentage, like, he doesn't... Ha- like, it was worse than the league. His guys just weren't getting open. Yeah. And I guess Seattle yesterday... It was like, Andy Dalton's got a bunch of guys open. Like, it doesn't right. make any sense. So, yeah, that's not good. Um, I always, I, uh, uh, of course, talked about the DJ Moore thing uh, and that hurting that, that, that they don't have him. But, but yeah, um, I think this is an issue. I think the big thing is I thought he would make a lot of plays on this team, even though they were kind of bad. I thought that he would kind of be a bright spot on like a 5-12 and 12 team. Um, or a four and thirteen team. It doesn't matter what record the Panthers have. Um, I think they're going to be mid no matter what. But um, but at the end of the day, it's kind of sad that he's not making a ton of plays. I kind of hoped for a little bit better there, especially when, like you said, counterparts are. So that's really what you're looking for as a rookie. Like your team most likely is not going to make the playoffs. You're not going to be you know, very relevant, but you just want flashes of greatness. And uh, we haven't seen a ton of that yet with Bryce Young. Like I said, it's not the end of the world. I'm just a little bit worried about it. And, you know, if you had to re-rank the quarterbacks, I don't know if he would still be my one. So we'll see what happens. But, um, but, but yeah, could be some issues. Um, okay, so you, you, met, you talked about the, the Cowboys a little bit. I'm going to talk about the Cardinals. Could we be a little bit wrong about Jonathan Gannon? Pew, 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 fireworks, fireworks. Explosives. 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 You're fast. Wow, wow. You're fast. Wow. You're fast, right? Um, <laughs> did you, guys you, take, the did you take the bus today? Wait, coach, coach, what? You got that fire in your gut? You got that fire in your gut? <laughs> okay. Like, we joke about him and his personality, but it's very clear that these guys like playing for him. Yeah? They have come out. Week one against the Commanders on the road. They played about as tough as they could have in that game and probably should have won. Probably should have won that game. Week two, they blow a 28-point lead to the Giants. That's the only reason they lost that game. I don't really know what happened. I saw somebody say, Jonathan Gannon in the first half. Yeah, I can go 17-0 with this team. Jonathan Gannon in the second half. But my bosses want Caleb Williams. (laughs) (laughs) Thought that was funny. And then they beat beat a very, very good Cowboys team. Yes, they were out their second-best defender in Trayvon Diggs. And that, it, it kind of seemed to show up when we were watching the game. They just could not stop the pass. But they also couldn't stop the run. Yeah. And, and to me, that was the thing that stood out more. was like James Conner was like kind of running all over them. Yeah. And, and this is a Cardinals team that the offensive line was always the biggest question. It was like, with, with Kyler, it was like, they can never keep him clean. Right. Maybe Cliff Kingsbury just was that bad. Right. Um, I Honestly, I don't know if the Cardinals are going to be bad enough to be picking in the top two. Like, I genuinely don't believe so because Josh Dobbs is playing like a really solid quarterback right now, and that team is just shysty. I, I, that, that could be my biggest miss of the, of the NFL season is the fact that the Cardinals are like 
uh, just a, a, an average team. Yeah, like, and, and they look. And it it kind of reminds me of the of the way the Lions played in the first year of Dan Campbell. Um, they did get their win a little bit sooner mm-hmm. <laughs> than was it week fourteen. Um, but like they're playing tough, they're playing a physical brand of football. They're knocking dudes around. They're making like they're they're hitting up uh, opposing teams. Um, and when Kyler gets back, which he will at some point this season, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out a possible NFC wild card if they're able to like kind of maintain five hundred. Because when he gets back, guys, I feel like we've forgotten how good Kyler is, right? Since he's been gone, so like once he gets back, man, watch out. This team could actually be very good. The the emergence of pew 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 fireworks 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 Rondell Moore yes has been awesome he's this fast, and, John, and, and Jonathan Gannon is a defensive guy. Yeah. Yet his offense has looked like shit. Yeah. They got something there. Yeah. Especially with, with the, like, actually using Rondell Moore the way he should be used. Right. That's the thing. Like, we, we, me and you knew. Yeah. We knew what Rondell, what Rondell Moore what was. What be. Cliff Kingsbury apparently didn't, even though he drafted him. Yeah. He just tried Weird. to get too many of those guys, like, outside of Rondell Moore. I didn't Andy get Isabella that. was yeah. another one. Marquise like, Brown kind of does along yeah. the same lines. Greg Dorch, yeah. I mean, yes. obviously was like used yeah. like ten times as much. Just did not get that at all. It made no sense. But Rondell Moore's getting used now. Purdue legend. Thank you guys so much for watching. Hope you enjoyed. Catch you on the flip. See ya.